You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, come right in. Alright, welcome everybody back to another edition of Chairgating, your official NASCAR podcast for Belly Up Sports. I'm your host, Rattlesnake, here in Austin, Texas, and we have a very special episode this week with a guest I'm really excited to get a chance to chat with, Bob Pachris. If you're a NASCAR fan, you obviously know the name. He's one of the biggest voices in the sport right now, especially on social media, on his Twitter and he's currently a reporter for Fox Sports. Really excited to chat with him. But first, I want to recap the Las Vegas race. And like I've been saying for the past couple weeks, I'm not really recapping the races because if you're listening to a NASCAR podcast, you watch the races, right? So I'm just going to quickly kind of go over the race, what I noticed from it, and then I'm going to get more in-depth on specific things in the race. Kevin Harvick took a pretty big lead early with Austin Dillon close in second. Maybe not that close, but he was in second. And although Harvick with the lead isn't really a surprise to anybody, seeing AD in second running early was kind of a big deal because RCR has been talking, they were talking all weekend about how their team was going to be one of the front runners in terms of being successful with this new aero package. Apparently they felt pretty confident with their equipment that they were putting on the track, which is New considering how poorly they did overall last season and honestly the past couple seasons. But it seemed true based on their qualifying times with Austin Dillon and Daniel Henrik both qualifying really high. And uh, unfortunately that didn't come to fruition because AD was penalized early due to an extra crew member in his pit box. Kyle Larson also experienced this exact same penalty, and although Austin Dillon clearly had one too many guys in there, Kyle Larson's was, man, that that was a stretch. If you watch the race, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He had an extra crew member with literally just one hand 
in the pit box because he it looked like was trying to catch his balance from falling. Kyle Busch eventually also got a pit penalty for speeding entering pit road. So overall at this race, the, the penalties on pit road were a bit excessive and uh, much too harsh, clearly, in Kyle Larson's part. But more importantly, it really killed the race for a lot of these drivers, in particular Austin Dillon, a guy who it seemed like had the right equipment and hopefully was going to be racing in the top 10, just completely destroyed him. He never really made it back, never recovered, unfortunately. Kyle Larson ended up finishing 12th, so he got back somewhat, and Kyle Busch, obviously, it's Kyle Busch. He's going to do what he's going to do. Kevin Harvick eventually took the stage one win with Kyle Busch second and Joey Logano third. Stage two was Joey Logano, Harvick, and Truex. And then on the last lap of the race, we had a hell of an exciting battle between teammates Kozlowski and Logano, and Brad attempted to make a low pass off turn four with what looked like to be enough momentum to actually get the pass, and it made it really exciting. Unfortunately for Brad, he clearly didn't have the momentum that he needed, but good thing for uh, Team Penske, Joey Logano, the 2018 champion, got his first win of the season and second straight for Team Penske. Overall, I think it was a really enjoyable race, and clearly I think a majority of fans agreed. If nothing else, it was better than last year, but I wanted to discuss the team rankings. I brought it up last week, and I think it's a really interesting thing that I want to kind of keep up with every single week moving forward. You know, based on my preseason rankings, how are the teams doing throughout the season? And I think eventually I'm going to make maybe a spreadsheet and uh, maybe blog about it each week and update you ranking the teams based on where they placed each week. I'm not going to really rank them so much this week because I, I kind of just had the idea off the top of my head right now, but I will be doing that in the future. For this week, I'm just going to kind of run through the teams in order for how I ranked them preseason and then discuss each driver in the team and how they placed. Obviously, I ranked Team Penske number one preseason, and so far, I mean, I'm looking like a genius because Penske's crushing it. They just had Brad Keselowski winning in Atlanta, and now in Las Vegas, Joey Logano gets the win, Brad Keselowski places second, and Ryan Blaney pretty far back 22nd. Joe Gibbs Racing was the next team that I ranked at number two for my preseason ranking, and they had Kyle Busch in third, Martin Truex Jr. in eighth, Denny Hamlin in 10th, and Eric Jones in 13th. Overall, Joe Gibbs has been very consistent in getting guys in the top 10, top 5, top 15. All four of their drivers are driving really well. And although a lot of people lately have been talking about what's going to happen with Eric Jones, I mean, he's clearly a very talented driver, and I don't think he should be worried at all. Next, I had Stuart Haas Racing. They had Kevin Harvick 4th. Eric Almarola 7th, Clint Boyer 14th, and Daniel Suarez 17th. Obviously, Kevin Harvick's crushing it. He's always going to. He's one of the best drivers right now. He hasn't won yet, but it's only been three races, so that's bound to happen very soon. Eric Almarola has been coming out really hot this season, and he's definitely going to get a win soon. He's been looking really good each week. Over at BellyUpSports.com, one of our contributors, Jacob, who has had a lot of really good stuff he's been publishing lately, just today, he published an article titled Breaking into the Front of the Pack. And it's kind of the story just of the past couple years of Eric Amarola and how he's been coming up and how Tony Stewart kind of took a chance with a guy that a lot of people were unsure about and is now proving to be a really talented driver. Clint Boyer is also looking really good this season. Obviously, he only finished 14th this race, 
but he's still, I mean, he's a veteran driver that's still competing, and he looks like a you know top 15 driver at least for the season overall, I'm thinking. Daniel Suarez in 17th. It's kind of going back to my thing where, that I've been saying this whole time, where I'm not really sure how I feel about Daniel Suarez. He's been hyped up a lot. He was hyped up coming into the league. Unfortunately, probably got put in a car too soon and is now just trying to prove his worth, especially uh, at a team like Stuart Haas Racing. I mean, he's in a great car. And yet he's finishing 17th. You know, obviously we'll see what happens. But I've always been a little suspicious of Daniel Suarez. Moving on, I ranked Chip Ganassi as the next team after Stuart Haas. And they've been looking really good also. They look solid. They look probably where they should be. But I was confident with Kurt Busch joining this team that they would actually get a little better. I feel like, weirdly enough, Kurt Busch, being who he is, brother to who he is... And a NASCAR champion, weirdly enough, I think he's one of the most overlooked NASCAR drivers. And I don't know why I have this feeling. Maybe it's just because not a lot of people really talk about him. Or maybe he doesn't get out there much. Maybe it's just because he's a little bit older now. But he consistently looks like one of the most talented drivers. And Kyle Larson, I think, is probably the second most talented driver behind Kyle Busch right now. So it's nice to see them on the same team. And I think Chip Ganassi is going to get eventually get a couple wins here soon. Just as a recap for them for this last weekend, Kurt Busch finished 5th and Kyle Larson finished 12th. Kurt Busch was driving like one of the best drivers out there, as I previously mentioned. And honestly, so was Kyle Larson. He just got really screwed over by that pit penalty. So I still have a lot of hope for that team. Next, I ranked Hendrick behind Chip Ganassi. And this is where my ranking kind of starts to fall apart. I initially got some feedback, as I previously mentioned when I was doing these preseason rankings, that Hendrick probably should have been over Chip Ganassi. And at the time, I was thinking, you know, you might be right because I think Chase Elliott is a future championship driver. He's going to get multiple wins this season, and I really like Alex Bowman. And who knows if maybe Jimmy Johnson will come back and really start to compete this season. So far, none of those things have really played out except maybe Alex Bowman looking competitive, or at least more competitive than I think people thought last season. Chase Elliott finished ninth, which is good, but not as good as I've been hoping for Chase Elliott, and it's still very early. So don't get me wrong here. I'm aware that it's still very, very early, and Chase Elliott finally got his first win last season. But I still, I expect... Chase Elliott to be competing for a championship, and I was hoping this was the season. And maybe he still will. We'll see. Overall, a top 10 finish is still good, though you can't complain, especially for Hendrick, because Alex Bowman finished 11th. Also good. Alex Bowman's been really impressing me, and he's the second best driver on that team, if not competing with Chase Elliott for first best at this point of the season. Obviously, I don't think he's as good of a driver as Chase Elliott, but Alex Bowman, in my opinion, is the future of Hendrick with Chase Elliott and not William Byron, who a lot of people have been hyping up. Speaking of William Byron, he finished 16th in this race, which is outside the top 15. He has the best crew chief in NASCAR. He has an incredible car. He has a good team. There's nothing holding him back but himself. And maybe we're just witnessing what happens when a guy gets pushed up maybe too soon while he's too young. And last, and certainly least, Jimmy Johnson in 19th. Man, based on the clash and the Daytona qualifiers, I was kind of hyping up Jimmy Johnson as, is this his comeback year? 
You know, is this his Tiger Woods? He's going to make a comeback. Apparently, I'm wrong which is new to me and probably to you because I'm never wrong. But in all seriousness, I don't know what's going on with Jimmy Johnson. I mean, um, we got to see something soon, right? At some point, you just kind of want him to retire before he just ruins all the memories he had. He's not going to ruin his seven championships based on a couple seasons at the end of his career. So I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but at the same time, this will be the last thing we remember of Jimmy Johnson. You know, he, he has to retire soon. And do you really want your last memories to be a guy that, you know, was just inside the top 20 every single race? And then after Hendrick, I had RCR and <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's just blind hope, but I still think RCR is eventually going to make a comeback. It's just, it's getting hard to say because Austin Dillon, he was running in second, as I mentioned previously, and he was looking pretty solid, and then the pit penalty happened, and he could never come back from it. Kyle Busch, later than Austin Dillon, had a penalty, and he came back, and he finished third. And I'm not trying to compare Austin Dillon to Kyle Busch, but if you're Austin Dillon and you're RCR, you want to be compared to Kyle Busch, right? You're driving the premier vehicle for your team. You're driving the number three car. You are hyped up like a superstar because of who you are, because of who your family is, because of the team you're on, and more importantly, because of the car that you're in. And when the team specifically hypes you up for that race, you can't necessarily blame the penalty when Kyle Busch was able to come back. So, you know, I'm sorry, I'm an Austin Dillon fan, but at some point, you gotta compare him to Kyle Busch. And you have to be aware that he is not producing the talent that we see from other teams, from other drivers like Kyle Busch, like Brad Keselowski, and you know what? I'm naming champions here, but that's what he wants to be, I assume. That's what all RCR wants out of him is to win a championship. He's not even producing like Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott's not a champion. Daniel Hemrick finished 23rd, which is really disappointing also, but he's a rookie. Unlike Austin Dillon, Dan at least Daniel Hemrick has that to fall back on, and I'll give it to him. And I've been hyping him up a lot, but I'm still going to give it to him. It was his third race in his rookie season. It's okay. He's got plenty of time to prove himself to me. After that, I ranked Roush. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. finished 6th. Really impressive day for Stenhouse. He was driving really well. Had some really exciting racing we got to see between him and Eric Jones. Overall, really good race for him, and he's looking pretty solid. You know, it's something that Roush clearly needs. Ryan Newman, 24th for getting their veteran driver from RCR. Not a good look, but overall, Roush is looking pretty good this year. And then finally, JTG, Chris Buescher finishing 18th, and Ryan Priest finishing 25th. Once again, Ryan Priest is a rookie. He gets the benefit of the doubt when he finishes 25th in only his third race of the season. Chris Buescher, it's just unfortunate. What are you going to do? And obviously, the biggest takeaway from this race is the discussion of how the aero package looked. Because this was the first full race that we got to see the aero package. Because, you know, in Atlanta and Daytona, we didn't get to see them fully. And this aero package focuses on lowering the horsepower and a higher downforce. We get that from, you know, they lowered it to 550 on the horsepower and they got that huge 8-inch rear spoiler. Now, what we could kind of expect to see from this was more pack racing. A lot of people were worried that it would eventually just lead to plate racing, which, I mean, that's just not going to happen. Even though plenty of drivers initially were saying stuff like that, I'm sorry, that that's not going to happen. And we saw it in this race. It's not a plate race. But 
it was a good race. And if you listen to this podcast enough, you know that I'm just kind of blindly optimistic when it comes to NASCAR, but I'm also not scared to call out NASCAR when they need to be called out for certain things. Is this aero package the end-all, be-all, the greatest NASCAR racing we've seen or are going to see? No, absolutely not. It, it's just not, and and we'll never be able to fully get back to what we're used to seeing in the 90s and 2000s. But the fact of the matter is, this race was light years better than the Las Vegas race of this time last year. There were only three restarts for the entire race, and they were all from the stages. There was absolutely no cautions, and I don't have the stat up right now in front of me, unfortunately, but what I read was it was the first race to not have any cautions since 2001 or 2002. Either way, sometime around that, and that is insane. Now, that also means there were no wrecks, and a lot of NASCAR fans might be upset about that. And I'm not trying to lump all NASCAR fans into this stereotype of, hell yeah, we just want to see a wreck, woo! Not all NASCAR fans are like that. I'd say majority of fans aren't like that. Most real NASCAR fans aren't actually like that. But the good thing about a wreck is that it shows that the cars are harder to drive. And if the cars are harder to drive, then clearly that that's showing that more talented drivers are the ones that are winning most of the time. Right off the bat, these cars do seem easier to drive. I mean, there were no wrecks. There were no cautions. They're probably easier to drive because of the more downforce and the lower horsepower that they have. That being said, if you look at the top five drivers, they were arguably the top five best drivers currently in NASCAR, with maybe a couple just outside. And that should prove to you that it, it's not as easy as, as maybe Kyle Busch would lead you to believe when he uh, initially said anybody can drive these cars, or even y'all could drive these cars, referring to the reporters. Clearly, they're not that easy to drive if the best drivers are still winning. Otherwise, we'd see, you know, no offense, but we'd see Bubba Wallace winning, which would be cool. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's not happening right now. And also, the restarts that we did have were spectacular. All the restarts would go three wide, sometimes four wide. I mean, the restarts were good. They were competitive. A lot of passes. And the whole race was two and even three lanes wide instead of the single file that a lot of people were worried about. Overall, this race saw a lot more movement and a lot more passes. And Kyle Busch can say what he wants about who can drive these cars, but when you've got all this movement and all these passes, the better drivers will win. The cream will always rise to the top. But Kyle Busch, after the race, also complained, as he <laughs> likes to do, he complained about dirty air and how hard it was to get a pass. And from what I could tell, he's not totally wrong. It actually kind of did look like that. But... I think it actually looked better. I think we're, we're making progress here. I think the dirty air wasn't as impactful as it we've seen previously. You know, Kyle Busch is complaining about it, but he went from all the way in the back of the pack to finishing third. I see what he's saying, that it does still uh, negatively affect the racing, but at a certain point, you have to acknowledge, like, he was able to come all the way back like that, and he's, you know, a great driver and has arguably the best car out there, so he should be able to come all the way back if he has enough time, and he did. Not to mention, as I mentioned before, Eric Jones and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. had an awesome battle in Stage 1. They are going at it, and that was in Stage 1. You don't expect that kind of driving in Stage 1. 
So overall, it was a really fun race to watch, in my opinion, and, you know, maybe we didn't get a lot of restarts, but that also means that we got to witness the drivers really driving without having to stop every now and again. And this weekend, the race is in Phoenix, which means the air package will be slightly different, so it'll be interesting to see the changes that occur with that and how the racing is. But with that, I am going to take this time to go to a quick commercial break. But after this break, you get to hear my interview with Bob Pachris, which is probably the whole reason that you're listening to this episode anyway. Let's be honest. It's the reason I would be listening to it. So stay tuned because we'll be right back. Do you play fantasy sports? Of course you do. With roughly $7 billion being earned this year in fantasy football, why not earn some easy money in the most lucrative online gambling? I highly recommend using Pro Football Focus. This site breaks down every stat at every position for every single player in the game. With a PFF Edge subscription at only $9.99 a month, or $39.99 a year, it gives you the edge to make the easiest money possible. And you can finally enjoy just watching football rather than always stressing about your lineup. Go to chairgating.com right now, subscribe by hitting the green link, and you can think of it as an investment because you will make so much more money back. PFF Edge, try it today. If you live in Texas like me, beach season never really ends. And if you got some extra LBs to lose also like me, but not seeing all the results you want to see when you're hitting the gym, you gotta try the best new pre-workout, Zeus Juice. This company is blowing up right now, but all their prices are still crazy low. They got all the flavors you'd want, like Fruit Punch, Orange Burst, Blue Raz, Watermelon, but you gotta get it while it's hot before everybody else hops on this trend. And if those prices aren't low enough for you, I got good news. Just go to ZeusJuiceOnline.com right now, type in coupon code BELLYUP10OFF. Don't miss this great opportunity to get the best new workout product on the market today. All right, I am very excited to announce our next guest today, Bob Pachris. He was a reporter for NASCAR for ESPN for four years, legendary reporter, and now is reporting for NASCAR over at Fox Sports. Welcome, Bob. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, we're very excited to have you on. Uh, I will say you are our biggest name on the show so far. So when we blow up, you can remember this, that you were on this show. (laughs) All right. So first, I just kind of wanted to talk about, obviously, the big news today was that the NASCAR Cup Series award ceremony, they moved from Charlotte to Nashville at the Music City Center on December 5th. And I think you were actually, your Twitter account was the one that popped up and showed me today. So thank you for that. Um, and I saw that you previously mentioned on Twitter that you didn't think that this move would have anything to do with the possibility of the Cup Series returning to Nashville for a race at the fairgrounds. But I I was wondering, do you think this is at least a positive sign for race fans in Tennessee? I mean, I think it is. Uh, You know, I think they'll try to have some events for the fans uh, during the the time there. So, I I mean, I think it certainly is a positive. I just, uh, you know... To get the fairgrounds ready for National Series racing is going to take a lot of entities 
to uh, give the okay, you know, the, the promoters of the fairgrounds, Speedway Motorsports, the city, uh, you know, it, they probably have to get that they have to get the soccer stadium built and everything. So, you know, I, I think it shows that NASCAR likes Nashville and is interested in Nashville, but I don't think it does anything to, you know, to. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Enhance the ability to get the deal at the fairgrounds done, except for maybe... You know, if it's a really strong event, maybe it sways some city leaders or people who need to be swayed. But I just think there's a there's just a lot of people involved in that and at the Nashville Fairgrounds to get that done. And those challenges remain whether the banquet is there or not. Yeah, and I agree. I had the same thought. Obviously, that you know, there's a lot of things in place that have to get done first to have it there, but. Like what you just said, I was thinking maybe at least it, it will help city officials realize that there's a big uh, NASCAR fan base there that wants to see a race there again. But do you think do you think this will have any effect on the award ceremony? Do you think it will be, you know, bigger or not as big because it's not in Charlotte? Well, I I don't think NASCAR wants the Cup banquet or Cup awards in. Uh, in Charlotte, because if they do, then it's just another dinner in Charlotte that the industry has. I think they feel like that, you know, and it's nothing against Charlotte. It's just that to make it special, um, that they, in some ways they need to have it outside of the Charlotte area. Yeah. And I think Nashville is a great place then also, because they clearly have a big fan base there and it's in the South, you know, obviously trying to get back to their roots. Um, but obviously the most important thing that I wanted to talk to you about was the aero package and what we have seen now, um, from last weekend in Las Vegas and Jeff Gluck's infamous Twitter poll, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, he had a 56% approval rating, which was significantly, uh, significantly up from last year at 35%. And based on the fan reactions I've seen, that seems pretty accurate for the overall consensus. And I think anyone would agree that this was clearly better than last year's product on the track. Um, what, what were your thoughts, though? Because clearly you've been covering NASCAR for a long time. You've seen a lot of changes. Do you think that this aero package looks pretty good? Or do you think that the critics of it are maybe overreacting too soon? Well, I don't, I don't think you're... I, I, don't, I think if anybody says that it's a horrible package, that'll never work. There's no reaction. If anybody says it's a great package, that is the answer to all the problems, they're probably overreacting. Uh, you know, it was, um, you know, I mean, when you look at Gluck's poll, you know, the playoff race at Vegas last year was 84%. Um, 
and the fall races in uh, 2016 and 2017 were 62% and 71%, all higher than the 56% that uh, that Monday's or that last Sunday's race got. Now, could that be just because it was a Logano victory? People <laughs> 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 uh, aren't always the most thrilled with Joey, maybe, but um, you know, I I think you know it. The, the race on Sunday had late lap, late race passing for the lead, which fans want. It was, though, as much a result of lap traffic as it was, um, as it was, you know, the the ability for the for the drivers to to make passes for the lead in general. So, um, you know, I still think the jury's out. Uh, I would have liked to have seen Kyle Busch be able to get through the field maybe a little bit easier after his penalty or just make it seem like that, you know, that if he really had a much, much better car, which I think a lot of people think he did, that uh, that maybe he'd have a little bit of an easier time to get to the front. But others would say, well, hey, if you're going, if you make a penalty, it should be difficult to get to the front. So, um, the other point on that race is that, you know, there were no cautions beyond the stage breaks. And, you know, I th- I'd like to think that if drivers are battling extremely hard for position, that you're going to have cautions because they're going to wreck because they're, because you know, they're battling for position. And so either they just were very good on Sunday or they were, um, or they just couldn't get to get, you know, they had to be in such kind of clean air to make a pass that there wasn't, there was no way they were going to wreck when trying to pass. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. I mean, I, I think it looked pretty good personally. I, I'm sure no one's interested <laughs> in what I well, think about I, it. I think we're all interested. I mean, how, how, you know, how do, everybody looks at, at races differently. Some would say, you know, as long as there's something going on somewhere, it's great. Others would say, well, Hey, there needs to be more passing for the lead. Uh, it's just a matter of kind of your taste. Yeah, and I think maybe people were expecting something like, you know, a plate track, and that's clearly not what we're going to get. And and personally, I have no problem with that, but I think that might have something to do with the criticism. Um, also, maybe this is a, a bit further outside, but I, I was thinking about this. I was worried about Ford possibly experiencing a bit of a slump transitioning to the Mustang, kind of like Chevy did last year with the Camaro, and clearly that doesn't seem to be the case. Do you think this new aero package has anything to do with that? I think Stuart Haas Racing and Team Penske have a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you're talking about two of the teams that have been two of the best teams. Uh, you know, Grant Penske seemed to be a tick behind for much of last year, but by the end of last year, those were the two best probably the two best organizations so no i'm not not surprised um the the chevrolet i think it was more surprising that the chevrolet struggled as much as they did with the new body uh as much as as much as anything but don't forget the camaros were built to the old inspection laser system and then nascar brought in the body scanning system so anything that they had hope to take advantage of with um with the way the rules were being applied in 2017 they really couldn't take advantage of in 2018 yeah and and i mean clearly you know rcr was hyping themselves up a lot this uh for this race saying you know because their qualifying times and austin dillon finally looked pretty solid and obviously their rookie daniel hemrick 
has looked really competitive, and clearly that didn't pan out. Do you think that RCR might have been overhyping uh, how good their cars were going to be then, or do you think it just Daniel Hemrick's a rookie and Austin Dillon got that penalty and could never make it up? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. I think uh, various teams are are experimenting with different uh, on trying to take advantage of different things presented to them with this rules package. I was talking to Hendrick Motorsports, and they tried to and they really focused on increasing downforce, and and that showed that they were very good in qualifying, but didn't necessarily help them as much in the race as they thought. And so it looked like other teams were maybe working on some other areas and, uh, and were able to, and obviously, you know, Hendrick was, has, has struggled. So it probably could be the same thing with RCR. You know, you, you, you see some things that look good in the simulators or look good in your, in your initial testing. But then when you go out there and run 30, 40 lap runs, things change. Right. Right. Yeah. And it could just be, uh, you know, driver's ability, <laughs> but, um, also, one thing that I wanted to mention is everybody's been talking about the TV viewership in NASCAR and how it's been, you know, such a problem. And clearly, it's it's starting to bounce back a little bit. But one article that I think I saw you retweet from Forbes that was really interesting to me is that the uh, streaming has been going way up. I think there was a 10% increase uh, from last year, and then Atlanta saw a 28% increase. Um, do you think that this new increase in streaming is just the market and what people are going towards now or do you think it has something to do with nascar actively seeking out a younger audience which is what we kind of saw with uh barstool sports um i i think it's more that that that's the way people watch things now i don't know that it's because of any specific outreach but you know i mean i know i i can only speak from I don't have any research. I can only speak for myself, but I watch a lot more things now on kind of on demand on my on my laptop rather than necessarily on my TV per se uh, from the various channels that that I get through my subscription. So uh, I think it's more. I think it's probably more just the way people are are watching things these days. It's um, it's just the way people uh, do it and. Uh, but maybe it does give uh, some uh, some indication that fans are interested enough that if they are using the laptop as kind of a second screen, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe they're at home with the TV on one thing and and then they're they're streaming the race at least to pay attention to it. Yeah, and I mean, I know personally as uh, a millennial. <laughs> Uh, I only stream. I don't even have cable, so they're definitely hitting my market there for that. Uh, but one last thing before you go. For this race this weekend in Phoenix, what would be your picks for maybe the top five drivers? I mean, obviously Kevin Harvick is, you know, he, he's won the most races at Phoenix. Anybody that stands out to you, though, with this new aero package that maybe I'm not thinking about? Uh, well, I mean, it'll be... Be interesting now that this will be the first 750 horsepower race of the year. No aero ducks, but they still have the big spoilers, so a lot more downforce. So um, I, th- I think you're always going to go with Harvick at Phoenix. You have Kyle Busch, who is a previous winner. Uh, potentially, Alex, if you're looking for some dark horses, I'd look at Alex Bowman. Obviously, nearly won that 2016 race there. Chase Elliott's run well, and... Um, 
and maybe I, I look at uh, Kurt Busch. Yeah, those are those are great picks. My only concern about Chase is just how his entire team has been running so far this year. But like you said, it is a completely different race than we've seen so far. Yeah, it, it will be. It'll be. It'll be just. It'll be another different thing. They're going to be going really fast in the corners there compared to what they were before. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just personally, I live in Austin, so I'm really hoping that what we saw last weekend in Las Vegas with this air package, I'm really hoping that the Texas race is a little bit more entertaining. Yeah, I mean, it will be, um, you know, it'll be experiment every time you go to these tracks. I know people tend to lump the 1.5-mile tracks as, you know, kind of the same, but, but they're all a little bit different, and certainly Texas is different with its uh, two different, with turns one and two being different than turns three and four. Uh, but, you know, just look at uh, just look at Fontana. That used to be a track. Everybody thought, well, gosh, they might have to. Uh, re Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner the track racing and then nascar changed the package and the racing has gotten much better there yeah yeah i mean i've been desperate for nascar to do anything to make the texas racing better but that's just my personal bias i guess um anything else you want to want to mention any last insights before we go um no i mean i just think it's uh you know three different winners in the first three races is is good for uh for fans right you know and, and looking at uh at parody and everything and uh i think again the things to watch will be one if drafting still comes into play during qualifying you know how and track position means so much how much of a fewer will drivers make if they just get in the wrong line in qualifying and the games will just continue in qualifying so it'll be interesting to see how that evolves and then it will be and typically when you have new packages there tends to be a leapfrog effect. You know, one team hits on something uh, and then another team hits on something else or hits on what they're doing and what that other team was doing and, and develops it better and, and leapfrogs them. So I expect a lot of um, a lot of mini surges and mini slumps this year among all, among most of the organizations. Okay. Okay. Good to know. And uh, once again, I just want to thank you for coming on. I know our audience is super stoked to hear from you. Like I said, you're one of the biggest voices in NASCAR right now. So this is an incredible opportunity for us and everybody over at Chairgate. And so thanks again for that. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, hopefully we'll get you on another time soon. Sounds great. All right. Take care. All right, I hope everybody enjoyed that interview, and once again, I just want to mention how much of an honor it was to get to talk to such an experienced and legendary voice in the NASCAR media industry. Bob is one guy that always knows what he's talking about when it comes to NASCAR, so getting an opportunity and a chance just to chat with him was spectacular, and uh, hopefully we continue to get some awesome guests on this podcast as it continues to grow and increase. And I gotta give a shout out to the guy that founded Belly Up Sports. He's the one that 
got this interview going. Belly of Sports has been doing a great job of helping out this podcast and everybody that's been part of Belly of Sports. Everybody's been moving forward and growing exponentially. So once again, I want everybody to go check out Belly of Sports if you haven't already. Every single day, there's awesome content, regardless of what sport you follow. And there's also some great merch and awesome social media accounts. Go check it out. But I want to end this podcast discussing what probably nobody wants to hear anymore, but I, I want to talk about Haley Deegan. And I know I've talked about her before. When I had Eric Estep on the show, we discussed her quite in depth. But last week, she won another k West race at the Las Vegas Dirt Track, and I was able to watch the race, and I have to talk about her. Jagger Jones had a huge lead in the race. There was about 10 laps left, and he had like a 12-second lead. Looked like he definitely had the race won, but Haley Deegan just kept cutting down on the time. Finally, with about, I don't know, five or six laps to go, he was unfortunately kind of blocked by one of the lapped cars that should have clearly gotten out of the way, and that allowed Haley to really catch up. With only about three laps left, he kind of got blocked once again by a different lapped car, and that gave Haley just enough room to squeeze into a hole that really wasn't even there and pass him for the lead. He even tried to kind of bump her at the end to see if he could get by, but she corrected it and got the win, and it was an incredible race, very exciting finish, and she proved that she clearly knows how to drive a stock car. And this is something that me and Eric discussed previously in the other podcast was, you know, kind of the difference with Haley and Danica Patrick. Danica Patrick clearly, as everyone knows, came from an IndyCar background, whereas Haley is proving that she can drive stock car. And I'm sure Haley doesn't want to be compared to Danica Patrick anymore. I'm sure she hears it all the time. But the fact of the matter is, she's a pretty girl and she has a lot of popularity and is very marketable. So she is going to be compared to Danica Patrick regardless of what she does. The good news for her is Danica Patrick didn't set the bar very high. She never got a win, never even got a top five finish. I think maybe she got two top 10 finishes. I'd have to look that up to be sure, but I'm fairly confident. And she had oh, 191 races that she started in. Essentially, if Haley Deegan just finishes top five in a career in NASCAR, she would have a better outcome than Danica Patrick. Now, clearly we all hope she does more than just a top five finish. There's a, it's a long way away for her for you know a Cup Series ride, but you have to acknowledge her marketability. For instance, her Instagram followers, she has 334,000. To put that into comparison, Kyle Busch on Instagram has 257,000. Chase Elliott, a young guy, very popular driver right now, 277,000. Kevin Harvick, 302,000 followers. In fact, the only active driver I could find with more Instagram followers than her is seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson with 415,000. She is clearly very popular right now, and you can even just Google her name anytime she does anything. If this girl breathes, then the media will write about it. I mean, and not just NASCAR media, I mean nationwide, worldwide media in things that don't usually cover NASCAR. Now, that's the type of thing we used to be able to see from guys like Jeff Gordon or Dale Sr. And I promise, I am not comparing Haley Deegan to Jeff Gordon or Dale Earnhardt. But the fact of the matter is, she gets the publicity that those type of drivers we kind of got used to seeing. 
And it's the type of thing we don't see in the sport anymore, especially since Dale Jr. left and Tony Stewart left and Jeff Gordon left. It's the type of thing that NASCAR needs. And originally on this podcast, Eric Estep said that he thought Haley Deegan would be in a ride by 2021. And honestly, that's a pretty good prediction. It's one that I've kind of gone off of since then because it makes a lot of sense. It's a year in truck. It's a year in Xfinity. The problem with that path is lately we have seen younger drivers that weren't ready to be moved up that got moved up to the, to a car in the Cup Series and they've kind of been disappointing us. The good news is, Haley Deegan doesn't seem to be interested in rushing herself at all. She recently announced last weekend that she'll be running six races in the ARCA series this year, the first being at the Toledo Speedway May 19th, then Pocono, Madison, Elko, Lucas Oil Raceway, and Kansas Speedway after that. So you even have a few Cup Series tracks on there as well, so we can see what she can do on a stock car on one of those tracks. But when asked if this meant that she was going to be moving forward or moving up the next season after this one, she said essentially that her goal is to just win at every level she competes at before she moves up. And that's so refreshing to hear and also just makes her even more likable. I think part of this stems from her father being Brian Deegan. Now, for those of you who might not immediately recognize his name, you probably know who he is. He was one of the founders of Metal Militia, and I'm sure you've seen it around. Anybody that likes motocross wears their gear, it's, you know, the the skull with the military helmet on it. He's also won 10 total X Games medals, 3 golds and 7 bronze, and he's the only rider to compete in at least one event in every X Game. And what I personally remember him from, and maybe you do as well, he was the first ever to do a 360 in competition. Now, I was never a huge motocross kid growing up, but I, I at least paid attention enough to know who he was. And I think Haley having him as a father is actually helping. You know, we're, we're used to seeing these drivers coming up in uh, the NASCAR industry with dads that were drivers or owned teams, stuff like that. But, you know, she has a father who's extremely successful in the motorsports industry, but outside of NASCAR, which alleviates this idea that she's just going to be given a ride because of who her family is. But it also means that she has a family that understands the sport. And although I'm sure a lot of people are concerned that she'll just be given a ride because, you know, she's a pretty girl, which is a valid concern. I mean, that's what happened with Danica, in my opinion. But the good news is she's winning in stock car racing. Out of the 15 K&N West starts, she already has two wins, six top fives, 13 top tens, and two poles. And when Kevin Harvick competed in a K&N West race, he was asked which driver he competed against had the most potential, and he said Haley Deegan. That's coming from Kevin Harvick, a top five driver in NASCAR right now. The bottom line is she's a, a driver that is winning in stock car races, even if it's at a low level. She's likable. She has a family that has knowledge of the industry, and she's extremely popular and marketable, which is what NASCAR needs. And more importantly, I think she's making all the right moves. She's not jumping the gun. She's not trying to jump up to a level that she's not prepared for yet. She wants to be the best in every level she competes in, and that's really admirable. Now, I promise I'll try my best to not talk about Haley Deegan too much. This is a podcast about NASCAR, and I'm going to always focus on NASCAR. But eventually, you know, and occasionally I do have to bring up up-and-comers, and right now Haley Deegan is the main up-and-comer. Hopefully, Belly Up Sports has a dirt racing podcast that will be joining the team soon. We'll see how that goes. I'll keep everybody updated on, on that progress, and hopefully if they join, they can talk about Haley Deegan more than me. 
And then maybe I can go on their podcast as a guest to get out all my venting about Haley Deegan. But I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Hope everybody enjoyed what they heard. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I was really, really, really excited to get Bob on this podcast. And I think we're going to keep getting names like his on this podcast. So it's definitely a place that you got to come to hear some expert opinions like that and spread it around. Let people know that we're growing and we're getting names like that on this podcast. And with the growth, I promise I'll get better at interviews. I know it probably wasn't the best interview. It, it was fairly short. I will say I did have the stomach flu yesterday or all, the past couple days. And so I'm still getting over that. And I actually had to reschedule the interview with Bob. And he was so nice that he rescheduled it for me because I've been so sick. So who knows? Maybe we'll get him back on the podcast. Maybe he enjoyed it enough to want to come back and have another conversation with us later on in the season when we get a little bit better of an understanding for the product that we're going to see on the track with this aero package. I'm really excited to see what we're going to see from the alteration and the difference in this aero package this weekend in Phoenix. You can follow Belly Up Racing, me and the Belly Up Racing team. We constantly are tweeting on that account and we'll definitely have updates for the race while it goes on. You can also follow at Chairgating on Twitter or Instagram. I have a lot of great stuff that I tweet out and post photos of new t-shirt designs and stuff like that that I always have. And if you DM me and you like one of the shirts, there's a good chance I can get you a free shirt. So, hope you enjoyed this, and until next week, peace. I tell you what you do, you just take them dang old spark plugs out and then that little hole, you just put a little oil around there, just like Bobby Hunter said, it's like it'd go boom, boom, just like that. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.